everyone, and welcome to Talk with a Doc, the show where we bring your questions to Providence medical experts for insight and information. I'm your host, Mary Arnoff, and today we have a very special episode for you. We're talking about the effects of social media on your mental health. All the questions for today's episode have come from Instagram followers of women's tech influencer, The Coding Blonde. We have a clip from The Coding Blonde, so let's hear what she had to say about this episode. Hi, my name is Masha. I'm the founder of Coding Blonde. Technology is wonderful, but it also brings us challenges and we need to know how to adjust to them. Being on social media almost all the time, I have felt its effect on my mental health firsthand. So I think it's a very important topic to discuss and I'm super grateful for this opportunity to partner with Providence St. Joseph Health to ask some of the most burning questions on the topic. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Thank you, Masha. Remember, everyone, that you don't need to search the internet for answers to your medical questions. Just use the hashtag TalkWithADoc for a chance to hear your questions on our episodes. Here with me today is Dr. Robin Henderson, or Doc Rob as we like to call her. She's the Chief Executive of Behavioral Health for Providence in Oregon and the Clinical Liaison to Wellbeing Trust. She's helping me answer your questions today. And before we get started, I want to remind our listeners that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. Always consult a healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. So let's get started by welcoming my favorite and yours, Doc Rob. Thank you for having me today, Mary. I'm very excited about this topic. Me too. You know I'm a social media person at heart, a social media girl, a social media influencer. So this this episode, I am dying to get to. So Doc Rob, we should start with the first and easiest question. What are the effects of social media on our mental health? <laughs> All right, maybe not the easiest. <laughs> well, it's funny. Scientific America recently did a meta study uh, about the effects of social media on our mental health. And we found that mental health, uh, social media affects our mental health about as much as potatoes. <laughs> as potatoes. Well, I don't know. Potatoes actually do affect my mental health because I really want them right now. And on a diet, I can't have them. So I don't know. Well, all kidding aside, what they actually meant was they looked at all of the different parameters that could affect mental health that are due to social media. They applied that all through, and then they took that rubric, and they ran it against many other common mm -hmm. items like potatoes or glasses, which actually do imp impact your mental health. Right, right, absolutely. And what we've learned from this is that we're measuring some of the wrong things. It's not that social media is bad for your mental health. It's what you do in the social media space that can impact your mental health positively and negatively. And is it also because of the amount of time that we're spending in social media? Because I don't spend a lot of time thinking about potatoes. Well, that's true. The amount of time you spend, again, goes back to what it is that you're doing. Are you using social media for good? Mm -hmm. Are you using it perhaps to connect with people? Maybe you live in a remote area and the only way you can connect with your friends is through social media. Right, right. So for you, it becomes a social thing. Maybe you're dating and so you're, you're like interviewing people and thinking about who you might want to go out with. Again, very positive use of social media. But if you're on there ranting at people about, you know, the latest change to the neighborhood rules oh, or right. our political climate or whatever it is that you're ranting about, that actually does having, have some damaging effects, just as it would if that's what you're doing when you're talking with someone. Right. I mean, it's all about what you put out into the world is what you get back, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Well, you know, we got some great questions from Masha's group. And the second one we got was, whenever we're bored or waiting for something, we tend to switch to social media for entertainment. How does the fact that we're never bored affect our day-to-day -day lives and productivity? We've had this problem going on for years. Think about it like uh, doodling, for instance. Mm -hmm. Students in class get bored, they start to doodle. Now, doodling and social media are probably two different things because you're engaging a different part of your brain. And yeah, you can make the argument that that becomes somewhat addictive and you're not comfortable being alone with yourself and your own thoughts. And that really impact, that impact is different for different people. 
for some people going straight into solitaire or whatever it is, you know, candy crush, whatever it is that floats your boat can also be an anxiety reduction tool. Oh, that's true. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when you're sitting alone and you start to get anxious and you start to rev up, you start to ruminate and think about the things that are troubling you in life. These little, you know, games and toys on social media, they can be a great distraction. And while that distraction happens, your brain is still processing other things. You're just not getting anxious about it. Oh, that's interesting. I, I actually really liked this question because I tend to get anxiety if I don't work out or I don't get out of the house mm -hmm. or I don't do a lot of things. And, and running is kind of my therapy. So when I go for a run, I clear my brain and I do, I think about my future. I think about the next day. I think about the next five years. And if I'm on social media all day, I'm probably not taking that time to really decompress. So are there tools within the social sphere, like you said, apps and things that maybe are better for us? There's a lot of great apps right now that are really good to help with relaxation, to help with prioritizing and to help with focus. There's a lot of tools that, you know, like uh, Headspace is one, right? Headspace. What's the breathing one? Um, calm. Calm. Uh, think I could remember headspace, that. calm, other types of things. But there are also a whole new set of exercise tools, mm -hmm. like the 30-day plank challenge. Right. Perhaps you want to strengthen your core. Using a tool like the 30-day plank challenge gives you an opportunity to record what it is that you do. It's got a built-in timer. You know, it kind of challenges yeah. you, gets your competitive spirit in there. But... All that aside, it's all about balance. You also need to take that time away to do things that don't involve social media. Go True. for a run, cook dinner, do whatever it is that you do that brings you joy and helps bring balance to your life. If all you do is just one thing, that's not healthy either. So right. if you're running five, six hours a day, unless you're like one of those <laughs> ultra runners. Yeah, that's not happening, Rob. <laughs> I know, but you know, unless you're one of those ultra yeah. runners or stuff like that. My, my point is, it's all, all things in balance. You know what's funny about the way you said that, and I was thinking is that I do go for a run, and then I come back and I post my time, or I cook dinner, and then I take pictures and I post it on social. So even though I'm leaving social for that moment, I'm still coming back to it. We, we are competitive beings. Yes, we are. And that's part of what we like to do. That's part of what holds us accountable, and also part of what builds motivation. My hunch is, knowing you, when you post your meal, that's part of your accountability. Mm -hmm. Oh, very much so. It was a healthy meal. I made it from scratch. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's also a bit of inspiration because following your posts, I know that you're an influencer and you inspire people to think healthy and be healthy. So when you're creating approachable meals, I guess I've also seen some of those meals you've made. Very healthy, not very pretty. No, you're not <laughs> really not. <laughs> Broccoli and cauliflower, you can only turn them so many ways, you know? Exactly. So you're, you know, you're humanizing something. Well, um, one of the other questions we got was, why is social media so addictive? And I have the same question. How do we stop the mindless scrolling? Like, sometimes I feel like we're doing it just because we are bored. Sometimes we are doing it because we are bored. But sometimes that scrolling can become very unhealthy, especially when you're looking at you know, comparing yourselves to others, comparing, you know, well, this person's having this in their life and, and this is what, you know, it's the Insta versus Finsta conversation right, right. that we've had before. That idea that I've got to be, you know, in here posting, et cetera. I have if to it's look your, pretty. I have to have like the newest purse. I have to have oh, whatever yeah. it is, right? Mm -hmm. But if that's your job and you're an influencer or you're an aspiring influencer, that's how you're building that up. That's part of your career path. That's part of what it is that you're doing. There's a whole new set of, of people who are doing those types of things and they're making real careers out of it. Absolutely. They're part of the new marketplace of America. People ask the same question about gaming. Is gaming addictive? And yes, gaming mm -hmm. is addictive. Anything where you're not taking care of your basic needs and taking care of others that you have responsibility for and you start to develop those addictive behaviors, that can be anything these days. 
Well, you were just talking though about how some people are doing this as a job or a career or making mm-hmm. money, which I think lends itself to the next question, which was, is social media making us more dependent on external validation as compared to uh, when we didn't have social media? Well, let's, let's take shopping, for instance. When we look at shopping, you used to go to the mall and you'd walk around the mall aimlessly and you'd look for <laughs> different blouses and different skirts and things like that. And you would probably spend six, eight hours at a mall looking for one outfit. Social media now allows us the ability to go in and, you know, look at outfits that we like and do that process in a much different way. And is that bad? Not necessarily. It may mean that the way that we shop is changing. It may mean that the way we do a lot of things is changing. Another great thing has to do with how we learn. You know, I used to go downstairs in my parents' house. We had a set of encyclopedias. Oh, my God. I remember doing school reports with the encyclopedias. Right? <laughs> and they were from like 19, uh, yeah, something or other. Or, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And that was all you had. And you might get the yearly update. I go downstairs and here's my kid on the internet watching YouTube videos. And they're learning in real time about everything from how to make pancakes on a TikTok video to how to do CPR. They're not writing about Rhodesia (laughs) because that's what it was in my encyclopedia. Exactly. And they're not using outdated information. Right. The caution exists, though, that not everything on the Internet is valid. Right. It's not all real. No. Even Wikipedia, which has great sources and great resources, is only as good as the people who are putting the stuff in. And the people who are moderating it. Exactly. I think it lends itself to the next question, too, which is how do we compare our lives to other people's on social? Because half of it is not real life. It's what we want you to believe real life is. Well, and that comes back to the comparative nature that we've always done. We can just do it faster, better, stronger, etc. Now, go back to the mall, walking around in the mall. Kids all the time, parents all the time compare themselves. Look at that person. They've got a better baby carriage than Mm -hmm. I do. Look at that girl. Man, she's having a good hair day and I am not. And I know everybody's looking at me and my hair and my dumpy outfit and they're judging me for it every time I walk through the mall. Now we're doing it in social. It's in real life. And the reality is that's becoming overwhelming for a lot of different people. And we have to think about how we cope with that. What are the different strategies that we have? You just said it right there. We know people are doing this all the time and it's not real. Mm -hmm. So how do we reinforce that? We need to be educating people that the digital space is reality and not reality, just like them all. It's very true. I actually make a point. You mentioned as, as an influencer, I make a point that I put hashtags in my, my posts and a lot of times it'll be real bodies, Mm -hmm. real life right? This is real, like no makeup, no filter. This is what it looks like. You know me, I run an animal rescue. So half the time you see me in a picture, I might be covered in horse poop, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's real life. But I go to my friends' pages who I know, I've been to their houses. It doesn't look that clean. I've been in their cars. It's certainly not that nice, but the pictures show this perfect utopian reality. And I feel like people feel like they have to do that. So how do we as people make that better? Is it just that we start posting more about real life? Is it that we start understanding that it isn't necessarily real life? What advice would you give? We need to start posting more about what real life looks like. And we need to encourage the influencers and other people that we work with to do the same thing. Real life isn't pretty. Real life isn't perfect. If real life was pretty and perfect, we'd end up in a Stepford Wives movie, right? My hair would look so good. All the time. (laughs) And the Stepford Wives movie never ended well. No, it didn't. The reality is life is full of pitfalls, full of craters and full of very beautiful landscapes. And how do you know what beauty is if you don't know what not beauty is? Very true. Very true. Well, and how do you get through hard times if you haven't seen them? Right. Exactly. Absolutely. So the more real that we can be in social media, the more, you know, real as we feel safe. 
there are sometimes when people go to the other extreme where they'll tell their worst story ever because mm-hmm. they want to garner sympathy and support and empathy. And I think when you start to see that, that's the same end of the, the same problem. It's just the opposite end. We just need that happy medium. And that's going to take time. Absolutely. This is new technology. It wasn't here 10 years ago. It's true. Well, I like, though, that you mentioned kind of the fact that people maybe who are in rural areas or whatever are using social media to feel more engaged and connected. But one of the questions we got was, is social media making us feel more lonely? Again, yes and no. For some people, it does make them feel more lonely because maybe they don't have as many followers. Maybe they don't have as many friends. Maybe they don't have those kinds of connections. And for people who are feeling lonely, let me tell you, there's a Facebook group for you. Right. There's all (laughs) kinds of different groups out there in the virtual world that you can connect to, that you can get support from and you can be part of. If you're interested in knitting or crocheting or making the little baby Yoda, there's a lot of people doing that right now. And you've got to think about... What are your interests? And if you want to play in that space, how do you connect with other people who have the same interests, right? Without social media, how would you even find those people? Exactly. Very good point. Very good point. Well, how do you suggest that people maintain that balance between social media and real life? Is it like time limits? Is it gauging it by how you're feeling that day? Any tips? A friend of mine once said, you know, time limits are something that people of an older generation use as a tool to control social media. And the reality is, if that's what you need to do and that's what you're comfortable with, fine, that's your jam. But the reality is, it's really about how you're feeling and how social media makes you feel. If you're on social media and you feel yourself getting anxious and upset and you don't feel right, put it down, go Mm -hmm. take a walk. Mm -hmm. If you're on social media and you're engaged in some good conversations and you're having fun and, and, it's being positive, supportive space, and you're texting with your friends, fabulous, you keep going. But it's all about, again, the balance, and I keep coming back to that word. It's just like when we started watching television in the 60s and 50s, right? People were like, oh, television is going to be the death of society. (laughs) Well, Aristotle said books were going to be the death of society. Every new innovation has a period of time where people learn how it influences their life and how it works. I mean, I bet you can remember when people said that MTV was going to be the death of music. Oh, absolutely was. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Very interesting. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to keep digging in and answering these questions that came from the fans of The Coding Blonde. We will be right back. Give me your, give me your, give me your attention, baby. I got to tell you a little something about yourself. You're fine, so fine, fine, so fine. Oh, 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 oh
We're back on Talk with the Doc, and today I'm joined by Dr. Robin Henderson, and we're talking about the effects of social media on our mental health. And Robin, I want to ask you about this because I think people take social media too seriously, and we got that question from a lot of different listeners of, of Masha's. And I know myself, I manage a few social handles. I have the Animal Rescue, and I have my dogs, right, Life with Mastiffs, um, and I have my own. I have a few others. I honestly can't go to sleep if I haven't posted every day because I feel like I owe it to the people that are following, but I don't know that they even really care that much, but I don't think I should be losing sleep over it, but I am. So how do we teach ourselves that what happens in the social realm isn't necessarily impacting real life? Repeat after me. What happens in the social world isn't necessarily impacting real life. Over and over and over again. Over and over again. Because here's the thing. People don't look at social most of the time in real time. They're looking at it leader. They're scrolling leader. So if you miss a post and you post something the next day or whatever, or if you take a few days off, that's awesome. Because here's the other thing that we know. People respond better and they get more addicted to something when they don't have it on a routine basis. That's true. Random reinforcement is a thing. And that's part of the beauty of social media. There's no rules. You don't have to post every day. Your followers are much as I love you, probably not looking for that every single day. Yeah, I don't day. think it's what they're living for. No. And that's part of the narcissism that we tell each other and tell ourselves, all right, I'm, I'm this person who people are expecting to hear this from today. And the reality is the fact that they're just hearing from you often is the really cool thing. I love life with Mastiffs because <laughs> it's just funny and it brings me a giggle <laughs> and it brings me a laugh. And I see these big fun dogs just rolling around on the carpet. But, you know. If you if, don't see it, it doesn't. If I don't see it, it's not going <laughs> to change my day. I'll be sure to tell them that they have fans, though. <laughs> well, talk to me a little bit, though, about taking a break, because I know you host another show on our station called mm-hmm. Work to Be Well mm-hmm. with a lot of teens. Um, and one of the things I've heard the teens talk to you about even on the show and off is that they sometimes take a break from social. Like they put their phone down for a day or five hours or whatever. Talk to me a little bit about breaks. So it's really interesting. I recently went on vacation with my family and I turned off my email, turned off my social, turned off everything for a week and took a real, you know, took a break. And it was awesome. I didn't post pictures of my, you know, vacation and do all those other types of things. Though. I know. But and I did go through Robin withdrawal. Uh, Yeah, but you know, I needed that time to just really kind of focus on my family and friends. I had uh, the recent experience where we were working on the mental health days bill and that went viral. And the kids who were getting pummeled by the media and wanting interviews all the time took actual scheduled breaks. They like went offline for a few hours. Some went offline for a few days just to be able to recover and feel normal again. That's part of the thing about social media. It can overwhelm you and make mm-hmm. you feel like, oh my gosh, this is reality. When the reality is, it's really not. Yes, it happens very quickly. It happens very fast. It could be very you know, impressive in the inundation. But the reality is then it's gone. And it's like that 15 minutes of fame that fleets away. Taking a scheduled break helps bring you down back to reality. And that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Well, speaking of the 15 minutes of fame, one of the questions we got was, I sometimes feel less than important or inferior when I see somebody who I think is less talented than me getting more likes, more followers, and I don't understand why I feel that way. That was the question. Welcome to human nature. We are comparative beings, and we've been this way since elementary school when we went, wow, Sally has red shoes and mine are black. You know, Mm -hmm. we compare ourselves to each other, and the reality is that whole set of behavior is human nature. And we should be learning at a young age that it's also not that healthy. We should be celebrating our differences and celebrating the fact that somebody is having success with their posts or having success with whatever has a really good selfie. I love looking at somebody's good yeah. selfie because it's like, how'd you do that? Girl, you I'm rocked like, it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 
if we did more lifting people up and celebrating each other, yeah. imagine what a kinder, gentler world we'd live in. Yeah, that would be amazing. Well, we got this question that was one I hadn't actually heard before, but it says, why do I feel guilty following people's private lives on social media? Well, that goes back to the internal voyeur that we all have. We like to watch other people's lives. And then, I don't know, sometimes I make up stories about people that I see. It's like, oh, yeah, I see somebody driving down the road, you know, looking at the hair and looking at the makeup and going, I know you've probably got, you know, three wives and five chickens and six ducks or whatever. But we make up little narratives <laughs> and things like that. It's part of the voyeuristic nature of being a human being. On social media, that makes it even more interesting. And then we feel a little bit guilty because perhaps we're like judging in there too. Oh, sure. Which again is another part of human nature. Part of what we have to do is to put this all in perspective. I can sit here and get all judgy and go, wow, you got all that great hair and that great makeup going on. And you're looking good. And I can either go good on you or dang, I'm jealous. Mm -hmm. And I choose to go good on you. We need to make those choices more positively more often so that we could start to change some of the narrative in social media. There's an awful lot of people attacking people. Very I've seen true. that an awful lot. And people go after each other and they'll like start to tear somebody down in two seconds. I think we saw that recently in some of the... Uh, conversations in in magazines around uh, what's happening to uh, Prince Harry and his mm -hmm. and his wife Meghan Absolutely. Markle and you see people going after them and tearing them down why to what end what does that do for anybody in the human condition it doesn't do anything but what happens when you lift someone up and speak positively is you feel better you too you do mm -hmm. Why, though, why do you think people are so mean in social? Because I honestly believe, and maybe I'm wrong, but I believe that if that person was standing there looking in front of me, they wouldn't say you look like a trainee. I don't think so. But I get that in social media a lot. Why are people so quick to be mean and, and judgmental in that space? A lot of it has to do with who we're influenced by. When our leaders and other people that we look up to are negative in social media, and that's what they lead with, and they lead with bullying mm -hmm. and negative commentary, and you're inundated with that, then that sets a societal norm. We have a societal norm right now that says it's okay to bash people on Twitter. It's okay to make fun of their teeth, to make fun of their hair, to make fun of other types of things. If that happened in your school on a school ground, you would be in the principal's right. office getting a talking mm -hmm. to right now, and your mama would not like that one bit. But the leaders in our country and the people who are influencing conversation on Twitter and other places like that are allowed to do so and are celebrated for doing it. And until we as individuals change that conversation, this is the conversation our children are learning. Well, talk to me a little bit more about this problem, because like I said, I, I get bullied on social all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's cr in fact, I, I laugh when people make fun of me for being fat. I'm like, well, you should have seen me 120 pounds ago. Right. But why? Why do we take it so personally? Like, I don't even know these people. Why do I even care what they say about me? How, talk to me, talk to these people who are listening, who are on social media and they're hurt by what people are saying. Tell us how to process that. The hardest part about dealing with a bully is the fact that there's a piece of you inside that believes that the bully is right and mm -hmm. that believes that the bully is what they're saying is true for mm -hmm. you. And when you hear that over and over again, that can be hard for anybody's ego to take. So what we've started to do is to look at people who are being bullied and flood the zone with love, flood the zone mm. with positivity, and frankly, flood the bully. If somebody's bullying you online, send them back an email and say, you know what? I love you. I care about you. I hope you have a great day. And start to change that conversation and model appropriate behavior going forward. Other tools, though, for people who are relentless and won't let up, Twitter, Facebook, Insta, 
all have abilities for you to report online right. bullies right. and to get those people shut down and off of social media. Yeah. We really have to start leading by example and changing those conversations. And remember, what a troll says to you online probably isn't even really a person. Yeah, it's true. Or at least not the person that they pretend to be online. That's true. I think um, it was Adam Wahid, Adam W., great Instagram influencer, makes amazing content. He said that he doesn't even really engage with the haters, but ever so often he will. And what he said was, most of the time, if they say something mean to me and I comment back to them, they're like, oh, I love you. You're great. He said they just wanted the attention. So how do I how do I weigh? And this is what he said. How do I weigh not engaging with them versus actually trying to help somebody who maybe is desperate for attention or, or just needs to be heard? You know, at that point, it comes down to how much of your time do you want to spend responding to people on mm -hmm. social? Mm -hmm. If this is important to you and it's your job and you're an influencer, then you really have to think about how much of my time am I going to engage with people that way? But if you're just, you know, posting because this is your fun space and this is what you do, why does their opinion matter? And what is it that really is your responsibility to help someone else not be so awful? Blocking people is perfectly awesome, perfectly fine, and you should. I always say blocking is my self-care. Exactly. Yeah. You have been blocked. People have definitely been blocked from me. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to someone the other day, another doc who um, some <laughs> one of our shows aired and they said something about the way she looked and she was so upset about it. And she called me and she said, you must get this all the time. Tell me how you deal with it. And I said, if they listened to an hour show of ours and the only thing they had to say was your clothes were ugly, we must have been a really good show, right? right? Like the information we were giving must have been really good. Exactly. So sometimes that's what I tell people too, is think about what they're saying. Like if the only thing they can judge you on is your clothes, okay, you must be doing okay in life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're taking the time to listen to my content and what I'm putting down, I don't care what you think about my hairstyle today. Exactly, right? Well, this question we've, we've touched on a little bit. I think we've skimmed the surface, but maybe a little deeper dive. Do you think social media is a problem of its own or it's a symptom of a wider society-wide problem and mindset that we're always connected and online and feeling that FOMO, that fear of missing out if we're not seeing what's happening? You know, I think social media is the new normal. And what we have to figure out and what we're trying to figure out as a society, every generation that gets younger is going to figure it out differently than the one beyond it. So the question when we're talking about FOMO and things like that, yeah, FOMO is a thing and it's a thing for a certain demographic of people, a certain generation of people who really got into that whole idea of I've got to see and be online all of the time. But the younger generation is seeing this more as a tool mm -hmm. and more as a lifeline and more of how we communicate things like I, the party invitation industry is about to go out of business because oh, yeah. nobody Eva. uses that anymore, right? <laughs> because we communicate in real time through Snapchat and other mechanisms. And a decade from now, Snapchat will be gone. So, sorry, Snapchat. Mm -hmm. But the point is, this is this is a media that is transforming and changing all of the time. So the problems we're identifying right now aren't really bad or good. It's how we respond to what's going on with all of that. It's how we think about how we show up in social. Just like how we show up in the mall, in the high school, in our workplace, and at home. We need to be thinking about who we are when we walk into a space. I think it's interesting how you talked about the different generations because some of us uh, grew up where social didn't exist when we were children. Right. And, some, and some people, though, that we talk to now have known nothing but social media. So how does it impact us mentally or from a mental health perspective based on a generation? 
the things that we see in older generations that this is new technology for, I think there's probably a larger mental health impact in there just because we don't know how to handle it. We don't know what's right behavior, what's wrong behavior. We're influenced by people that we see in the media. We're influenced by our leaders who may not be using it appropriately. As the generations get younger and younger, because it's endemic to them mm -hmm. and it's become, it's a tool. This is how you get information about what homework you have to do, do, right? This is how you do your projects. This is how you, this is part of your education from the earliest of ages on up. This is now part of your educational platform. So how they show up and how they see this as a mental health issue is going to be completely different than generationally how other people see it. Yeah, it's great. Great insight. Um, well, this question says, have there been any studies around social media's impact on brain functioning? And if, if so, what is it? There's a like, lot. There's a lot of them out there's there. There's a lot of them out there, and the reality is, the studies need to really focus and hone in their question because, again, it's not that you use social media. Although there are a lot of studies looking at young children when you go, start to get down, when you're still developing your brain and developing your optic nerves and things like that. Screen time is a different issue. Screen time and social media are two different issues, right? Social media is a thing that happens in that space, and it happens on a screen. That is separate from actual screen time. And when we're looking at developmental ages, you do need to limit screen time just because your brain and all of your optic right, nerves right. and your eyes, those are all in development. And that screen has a huge impact, just like you'd limit TV time and other things like that. Now, take that to an older generation that's more fully developed. Then you're looking at that impact of social media. The impact of social media on brain development, haven't seen a lot of studies around that. I've seen a lot of things, again, like we talked about in the beginning, that look at the fact that you use it, but not how you use it. Right. And we're just starting really to look at how you use it and what that means. That's amazing. We have time for one last question. And I think you were just talking a little bit about screen time and timeout and what's too young. One of the questions we get from people is, is it safe for me to take away my child's access to social media as a punishment? And I think we've talked a little bit of this about in real life, but talk, talk to the listeners about that. So using social media as a punishment actually really kind of backfires on people. When you start to take away social media and limit those types of things for kids who are already into that space, you're really going to cause more harm than good because that's part of their outlet that's part of mm -hmm. how they relax that's part of how they also you know blow off steam and other things like that now obviously if you have somebody who's very young and and you know screen time again screen time is a use for timeout and things like that when it's developmentally appropriate that's not what we're talking about we're talking about a teenager where i'm going to take your phone away i'm going to do this let's think about things that probably are more developmentally appropriate and less emotionally impactful because what happens at that point if you take away someone's emotional support system is you're leaving them with nothing absolutely talk about having anxiety right fear of missing out not being able to talk to your friends that is that is scary exactly so we really need to think about what are more developmentally appropriate things take away your car grounding somebody all those other types of things and at the same time we also need to look at things like if you're having trouble sleeping and you can't manage turning off your device at night, then use the tools we have to shut down the internet at night. Mm -hmm. Those are things that families can and should have conversations about. If you as a teen can't manage your sleep and you need assistance to do that, then let's talk about that. And those are active conversations. But just using it as a blanket tool like that, no. 
Well, Robin, this has been really helpful, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and thank you to The Coding Blonde for helping us collect these great questions. We look forward to future topics with more experts from Providence. Make sure to follow us on social media at PSJH on Twitter and on Instagram, and under Providence St. Joseph Health on Facebook. To learn more about our mission programs and services, visit future.psjhealth.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining us, Robin. Thank you.